This is Express FM. Supported by City of Portsmouth College. We are passionately Pompey. It is a new era at Fratton Park. There's a new man down there in the dugout. What a goal! What a pass! A wonderful strike! Pure, unadulterated Pompey. When you come from Portsmouth and live in Portsmouth, you grow up wanting to play for Portsmouth. If I can lead the boys to success and lead the team out, that would be a real dream come true. Action and reaction. Such a massive club. I'm so, so happy to be a part of this, this journey and hopefully get this club to the next level and where it wants to be. Giving Pompey fans a voice. That's what makes this football club so special is the fans. I'm not a Portsmouth fan, but I'm an adopted one now. I love this football club. This is the Football Hour. Fans' interest in this division peaked a lot long time ago and it's stagnating. We've got to get out of this division and into the championship. There was no shortage of goals or entertainment in midweek as Pompey opened their Papa John's trophy account with a three-all draw with the Fulham under 21s. No thanks to this man. And Raggett's got it in the centre of the Fulham half. Tries to shoot for Raggett and he does hit one. What a goal! What an amazing strike from Sean that was seconds of two Sean Raggett strikes on Tuesday night at the time, giving the Blues a 3-2 lead, though the youngsters had other ideas. Back to McCoy's flat, and Scopel's come out, and there's a chance, and Fulham have scored! They've levelled it up at 3-2. How did they work that? It was all so, so easy. Delano and McCoy splat rounding off a scoring at Thratton Park and forcing the game to penalties, which was duly won by Poppy. We'll hear what Raggett had to say about his brace on the show tonight. I do work on a bit of finishing and training now, but I'm not sure I've quite hit one like that before, so yeah, it's pleasing to see it going. Probably should have had a couple more, to be honest, as well, so it's a bit frustrating. As well as some strong words from gaffer John Musino. Overall, I think the feeling for me and certainly for the staff is one of disappointment. I thought we should have really put the game to bed and some of the things we did in the second half, I thought we were really poor and barely deserved to draw the game. All in another jam-packed edition of the Football Hour. This is the Football Hour, 93.7 Express FM. Everything we do is passionately pumping. A wonderful goal! Every second of the action is right here. Shoot and scores! 90 minutes of passionately pumpy commentary. He scored! This is... You want to believe it! Pompey Live. We are now underway on Express FM. Fulham are in the penalty area again, down by the right. Uh, uh, Dead ball line is sent in, and the ball's in the back of the net. And Fulham have taken the lead. And it comes, and it's into the net. And Sean Raggett has slid it at the far post and stabbed it in from a yard out. The ball comes into the penalty area, headed into the net. And Terry Devlin has got his first Portsmouth goal. Lovely right wing cross. Devlin was going to make no mistake, planting that header well beyond Porto and giving Portsmouth the lead. So let us Pompey make a mess, a horrible mess, and somehow Fulham have equalised a horrible ball back to Schofield. He couldn't deal with it, and Marshall Godot has slid in, but he's forced the ball into the net. And Fulham are level. And Raggett's got it in the centre of the Fulham half. Tries to shoot for Raggett and he does hit one. What a goal! What an amazing strike from Sean Raggett! Fully 40 yards out. An incredible effort. But hit the post as it went in. Porto was clutching at air. And Sean Raggett has his second of the night. And one that no one inside Bratton Park will forget in a hurry. 
back to McCoy's flat, and Scope has come out, and there's a chance, and Fulham have scored! They've levelled it up at 3-2. How did they work that? It was all so, so easy. Two players against five, and it's the Fulham players that have come out on top. And Delano McCoy's flat goes under Schofield and makes it Portsmouth 3, Fulham 3. Portsmouth try and come forward, here's Robertson. The shoot from distance, hits the post! Robertson off the post, Pompey inches away, it's still 3-3. And out of play, and that is the full-time whistle here at Fratton Park. It's finished, Portsmouth 3, Fulham under 21. Thrid needs to score to keep Fulham alive, and then we'll go to a 7th spot kick. Steps up and saves by Schofield. Away to his left. Schofield makes the save. And Portsmouth have won this shootout. Five penalties to four. And it's they who get the bonus points in this group. Every second of the action is right here. Pompey Live on Express FM with Aqua Cars. Well, there you have it. The highlights from a dramatic opening group stage clash between Pompey and the Fulham under-21s in the Papa John's Trophy at Fratton Park, kicking off this season's competition. The three-all draw earned both sides a point. However, the Blues running victorious on penalties. It's Venn who collects the bonus second point. That leaves Portsmouth, top of the Southern Section Group E, with two points on the board. Though Gillingham and Leighton Orient have to wait until September the 5th to get their first group match done and their points on the board as well. Next up for John Messino's side in this competition, Gillingham make the trip to PO4 for a 7.45 kickoff on Tuesday, the 10th of October. Well, alongside me this evening then to go over that game in detail, as well as later on, look forward to tomorrow's league trip to Stevenage. First of all, please welcome over the white line host, Henry Deacon Henners. Welcome back to the Football Hour. Yeah, thank you for having me on, Jake. Always a pleasure to be in your company. Henry, two points for Pompey in the trophy event. How important is this competition to, to Pompey and, and what kind of opportunity do you think this gave John Bassino to, to rotate his squad? Well, look, the Checker Trade Trophy is one of those competitions and I said it on Pompey Live on Tuesday night. It's not a be-all and end-all as far as a, a season is concerned. But look, it's a, it's an opportunity for players to go and, and take a claim as far as a manager's concerned. It's an opportunity for them to, to get minutes under their belts and to, look, to, to, not, to ask the question. I said it yesterday, you know, when you got... When you got eleven changes from a side that, uh, from a side that obviously you know played on Saturday in the league, and you're going into that, well, what the manager wants is a response. What the manager wants is that he's asking you a question as to, are you good enough to be in my fold? Are you, are you good enough to be in my first team plans? And this is an opportunity for you to go and strike a claim and go and strike the shirt. And I think there's a fair few people that can go out and, and claim that and say they can. One of them that perhaps maybe we didn't expect to do so is Sean Wegg. Look, we know what he can do, but I think. A, a, he'll be the first to admit a defender at his stage of his career he knows that maybe the opportunities will come few and far between but look he hasn't done himself too much um discredit but yeah other than that I think there'll be one or two that may be a little bit disappointed with their performances from a defensive point of view but look attacking wise I don't think we we're ever going to have an issue this season I think that's fair to say and I think last night was a I think last night um I think Tuesday night represented both the the best and the worst of Pompey to a to a certain extent um you know defensively there was a couple of shortcomings but attacking wise we look as if at any opportunity we can score I mean realistically we could have had eight really couldn't we but uh, for, for a couple of missed opportunities. Kirsty Roxanne, whose name and voice will be very familiar to regular listeners from her contributions to our This Week's Opposition uh, features, uh, also joins us tonight. Kirsty, great to have you back on the show. Hi, Jake. Thanks for having me. 
Well, Kirsty, some game in midweek then. Um, and, and as Henry's alluded to just there, what did you as a fan learn from Pompey's performance in that one? Um, I think it's nice that we have a rotation where we can have um, league starting team and also cup fixture starting team. It was nice to see players play that I haven't actually seen yet. For example, like Terry Devlin, I thought he played really, really well. Um, he really held the ball. It was nice to see Paddy Lane back, of course, mm. and obviously Sean Raggett because... You've got you've got to stick up for him. He did. He played an absolute cracking game, and it was so nice to see him back in the confidence and everything like that. And I think it's just nice to have that rotation, like Henry said, and let the players have the minutes to play and still get that experience whilst they are gaining to a reach to get into the starting eleven. The Papa John's Trophy, the EFL Trophy, Henry, whatever you want to call it, it's had many different sponsors over the last couple of seasons, but many obviously still believe that it's it's not Pompey's priority, and, and I think we can all agree it's not. The league is the bread and butter for John Messino's side uh, this season. But, but what kind of impact do you think these games have on the Blues season? Because they're not totally pointless, are they? Well, I think what it can do in terms of our season is this. It, it, it gives players opportunities to get minutes. And, and the good thing about this time of the season, Jake, is this, is the fact that you're going to have games very, very quickly off the bat. You're going to have cut game, league game, cut game, league game. And so it gives players opportunities to really strike their claim with the manager, to really uh, strike a pose and, and possibly give themselves the opportunity of getting into that starting eleven or forcing them into into the sort of form that means that the manager is going to keep an extra little eye on them. And, and this is what I really like about the EFL trophy as a competition as a as, as a concept is the is the fact that it can give players minutes give players opportunities and and possibly get first team football I mean we all remember we remember a couple of seasons ago didn't we um you know George Hurst did nothing for about two three months in a Pompey shirt he was then given the opportunity in an EFL trophy game against AFC Wimbledon he did well there and then he started against Wickham scored the winning penalty and then the rest of his season that cult hero status that he achieved for the rest of the season kind of just appeared and, and gathered from there and uh yeah, I think that's what the EFL trophy can do as, as, as a competition and what the EFL trophy can do as a concept. So a victory, of course, for Pompey on Tuesday, Kirsty, albeit from a penalty shootout. They had to dig deep in the end, didn't they, the Blues, to, to get that one over the line. As a supporter, how seriously do you take these games? Because John Messino says himself, you want to win every single match you play in competitively. But you can see from the crowd sizes you get between two and 3,000 at Fratton Park. It's not taken as seriously as other competitions, but it's still a chance to see some players in action. Yeah, I mean, I, I went and I I think these games, games are brilliant because you can just sit there and there's no stress. <laughs> yeah. You just sit and enjoy it and you actually just like appreciate football rather than get all stressed about all what's going on. And I think it really, especially that game, would really give John Messino a headache because there's some players in there who are fighting for that starting eleven. And I think it was... I just think it was actually a really good match. I know that it wasn't up to the standard of what we should be playing, especially because it was under 21s and we did yeah. they did go down to 10 men. But I think just they haven't played with that team yet. That team haven't played together. They're still learning to gel. There's, we've got so many new signings and I think it's a really good opportunity to get all that, get all the new signings to have a real good go at it. You mentioned there as well, Kirsty. Um, some will look at this game as look, three goals conceded to the Fulham under twenty ones. You might you might view that as maybe a little bit embarrassing if if you're a Pompey fan. But I think you've hit the nail on the head. Eleven changes John Messina made from the side. Okay, drew nil nil with Cheltenham at the weekend. But it is important to know that although these eleven players were still featured on on Tuesday night, ten of them were senior players. If you want to call them that, one being Kobe Motto, recently come up from the academy. Although they have that experience over the Fulham under-21s, 
what is important to know, the Fulham under 21s, they've had a fantastic start to their Premier League 2 campaign. They play with each other week in, week out. That squad of 11 on Tuesday that, that started that game haven't started a game together yet. So they, of course, had that advantage, didn't they, Fulham? Yeah, and I, I mean, obviously the first goal came in, of what was it, like 1 minute 20 nine or 56 seconds 56 seconds yeah okay wow that was a lot quicker than what I thought (laughs) but like that came from nowhere Mm. and that team I don't think that team had even really like woken up yet before (laughs) before they'd even got a chance to get the ball and obviously when you look at the training that Fulham were going through I was watching them do their warm-up it is just so quick pace they are fast fast kids and they obviously they're all fighting to be actually be put into the Premier League rather than Premier Premier League too. So they they came out there ready for a fight as well and they played well. They did indeed. Right, let's hear now from the man who bagged a brace uh, on Tuesday night and came so close to what would have been a fantastic but massively unexpected hat-trick. Sean Raggett spoke to Max Swatton after the game at Fratton Park. Well, Rags, there's nowhere else to start. Where did you pluck that absolute worldie out from? I don't know, everyone keeps asking me and I'm, I'm not too sure myself. I, I do work on a bit of finishing and training now. Uh, but I'm not, I'm not sure I've quite hit one like that before, so yeah, it was pleasing to see it going. How do you assess tonight overall aside from the absolute world? Yeah, I think we're really disappointed to be honest because I think we've we've dominated the majority of that game and we've we've let in three poor goals, which of course we're not happy about. And um, then on the flip side, we've we've had countless amounts of chances to put the game to bed and we haven't taken them. So I think you know both ends of the pitch, I think pretty sloppy, and I think we're that's the overall emotion, uh, a bit frustrated at how sloppy we were. You came back into the side tonight, what was the message from the gaffer ahead of the game? You know, just go out there, first of all enjoy it like you should every game and, and work hard and, and, and play well essentially. Like we, we all know how we're supposed to play, um, even the boys that haven't played in the league, um, we have a system, how we press, how we play, um, so yeah, it was just go out and, and try and implement that. So aside from the absolute scorcher, you got a goal from a corner in the first half as well, just talk us through that one. Yeah, just great ball from Sparksy, you know. Um, gambled at the back stick, everyone missed it. It was a, a, a much easier one for me. Um, probably should have had a couple more, to be honest, as well. So it's a bit frustrating. Well, you got you got the goal in the penalty shootout. Are you always willing to, to put your name forward and, and step up to take one? Yeah, definitely. You know, I think um, penalties, I think, is a lot of, of confidence um, rather than actual ability, because, I mean, pretty much every, every player that plays in the Football League can take a penalty. It's just about if you can handle that sort of pressure and I feel like I'm pretty good at handling that, so I'll always put myself forward. Obviously, as I said, you got back into the side tonight, so so what's next for you in terms of sort of building and moving forward? Just keep working hard, you know, keep working hard in training. Um, you know, the, the boys that have played ahead of me this season in the league have done great, so it's, it's a tough competition, which is what you want, but I'll just continue to work hard and, yeah, we'll see where that gets us. There we go then, Sean Raggett speaking to Max after the game on Tuesday evening at PO4. Um, he, of course, got him a score sheet to, to score Pompey's first goal of that game on Tuesday night, Kirsty. It was a fantastic delivery in that first half from the corner from Jack Sparks. There was a little flick on in the box and Raggett, um, I, I described it as a Brexit sort of finish <laughs> on, on Tuesday night and Pompey Live. I probably could have found a, a better way of saying it, but he just launched himself at it, didn't he? He slid into the back of the net with the ball. There was no way that wasn't going in. He's absolutely fearless and this is why I think... Raggett should be in our starting eleven. He just he is fearless. Um he goes for he goes for everything. He just doesn't seem to care. And he's always, always been in the box with his head ready to 
header all of them back and I, I, I was hoping he was going to get one but to get two I was I was quite happy for him to be fair especially that second goal that was not expected at all no not at all well, let's talk about that second goal Henry fantastic strike wasn't it from uh, Ragatino's nickname he's developed over the years in a Pompey shirt um, fantastic finish and I don't think you could maybe have expected that from from any player on, on that pitch on Tuesday night 30 yards out hit it so cleanly so sweetly you could see the confidence that he had in his face when he took it and it was just the most pinpoint of, of strikes you could have asked from any player but real shock to see it come from a centre-back oh I mean the, the technique behind that goal considering that he's a centre-half was absolutely ridiculous the fact that first of all the, the amount of space that he was given and I mentioned it on Pompey Live throughout the entirety of the night the amount of space that Fulham allowed us especially when we were down to 10 especially when they were down to 10 shall I say was was absolutely crazy and so the fact that uh, the fact that you know Raggett found himself in that kind of space and then just unleashed one through his right foot I mean the the technique to be able to do that if we're talking about a striker who scores 25-30 goals a season we're absolutely waxing limits about but the fact that we've got a, a, a centre half who in an EFL trophy game decides to turn into well prime David Beckham from distance was absolutely superb I mean the, the technique the strike and the way that it just rippled the the top left hand corner of the goal oh it was absolutely superb it's one of the best goals that I've seen live for quite a long time but I'm saying that I haven't seen too many goals live recently Henry, thank you very much, Kirsty, as well. We'll be back with both of you in just a few moments' time. And after the break, we're also going to hear from head coach John Messino. He's been delivering his assessment from Tuesday night and he's demanding perfection from his side. We pressed 11 men a lot better than we pressed 10 and I'm not entirely sure why that happened but it looked like um, from the sidelines that we just lost a bit of aggression and didn't necessarily do what we'd, we'd set out to do. So yeah, we, we were looking to sort of build upon that good performance first half and, and I don't think we necessarily took advantage of that. More to come from myself, Henners and Kirsty when the Football Hour returns after this short break. This is the Football Hour 93.7 Express FM. The world is your oyster. With many bus routes offering services late into the evening, from 7pm every day you can take advantage of a night Rider ticket, taking you from A to B and everywhere in between. Simply purchase your night Rider ticket on the bus or using the Stagecoach app to get unlimited travel anywhere on the whole of the Stagecoach South. So whether you're out with your mates, catching the latest blockbuster, on a late shift or just enjoying late night bus rides, visit stagecoachbus.com for timetable and ticket information. This is the Football Hour, 93.7 Express FM. Very good evening. Welcome back to part two of tonight's instalment of the Football Hour here on 93.7 Express FM, driven to you by Stagecoach Across the South. You can download their app right now from the Apple app or Google Play Store. You can pre-plan your trip. You can prepay for your ticket as well and also locate your nearest bus stop. For more information, head to stagecoachbus.com. Com. Uh, if you've just tuned in tonight, myself, Henry Deacon and Kirsty Roxanne on hand right up until 7 o'clock this evening to deliver reaction to Tuesday's Papa John's Trophy encounter at Fratton Park. And what an entertaining tie it was as well. It has to be said, three goals to three between Pompey and the Fulham under-21s. It had everything. It had goals. It had a red card. It had someone coming onto the pitch with a water bottle to clean up somebody's sick. And we still don't know. Who that was. Um, Henry, we, we were speaking prior to, to that ad break there about Sean Raggett, that the goal he scored on Tuesday night, it was an absolute rocket of a strike from, from a defender as well. Um, but 
quite frankly, that's not what the head coach really is looking for, is it? Whilst I'm sure he would be, he would have been fantastic to, to have seen that from Sean Raggett, there would have been plenty of other things that he would have wanted to, to learn from, from midweek. What, what do you think he would have learnt the most? What do I think the manager would have learned? I think the manager would have would have learnt. Um, I, I I don't know is probably the 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 honest answer because I think we came out of that kind of knowing exactly where Pompey are at. They're a team that going forward can score at any second, but I think there's still some fallibility when it comes to us defensively. I think sometimes uh, out wide we can find ourselves a, a little bit stretched, and I think that came to the fore at times. Um, I mean there was a obviously the the, the first goal that we we didn't switch on. And especially against an under-21 team where you know they're going to get out quickly, they're going to be bright, they're going to have pace, they're going to have a bit of energy. The first 10 minutes, you've got to be word perfect. You know, you've got to see it out. And we weren't alert enough from kickoff and we were we were made to pay the price for it in the end. And, uh, and, and you know, those sorts of things are things that we're going to stamp out. But look, if we're going to do that, do it in a game a little bit like this where the, the pressure isn't as magnified as it is a league game. Of course, there's going to be pressure on it, but it's not quite the, the rough and tumble of match day 46 at Lincoln, put it that way. Uh, in, in May time, but uh, I, I think he would. I think what he would have learned is the assessment that he probably came to a conclusion of, and probably confirmed in his mind pretty much where where we are a, a, as a team right now, where our strengths lay, and, and and where our weaknesses lay as well. And if we're breaking down the the, the performance from Pompey on Tuesday night, Kirsty, three goals to three to to a Fulham under twenty one side would indicate quite an even affair. But when you look at the stats after the game, Pompey had thirty shots on goal to Fulham's 11. The only, obviously, key thing from that was that Pompey only had nine shots on target. So it wasn't for the one for try. And, and, and certainly in that second half towards the end of the game, the Blues had chance after chance after chance to, to, to bury that match and take away maximum points. But ultimately, really like Saturday against Cheltenham, it just came down to, and it feels bizarre to say this after we scored three goals, but it just came down to just being unable to put the ball into the back of the net. Yeah, I think the amount of times we skyrocketed it, rocketed it over, then um, the post was ridiculous. Honestly, it went up so high every single time. I was like, are we ever going to get this in the back of the net? And they were so close as well. I remember Scully was literally like six yards out and mm. it just went so, like so high. And then I think Raggett had a chance and headed it over and Kamara as well. And I was just like, this is going to go on forever. 30 shots is... That is, that is quite something. <laughs> and you say you say Raggett as well. Of course, we, we've mentioned already tonight the first goal, how he sort of slammed that one in, um, come diving in with his whole body to get that one over the line. The second one, the, the, the fantastic strike from 30 yards out. You, you couldn't really get two contrasting sides of the spectrum when it came down to quality of goals, but he could have had a hat-trick on, oh, on Tuesday easy. night. So yeah. many chances for him in the box. And I think he was up for that as well, wasn't he? You could hear yeah. the crowd behind him urging him to shoot at every opportunity, <laughs> regardless of whether it was in his own half or not. And you just kind of felt that for Sean Raggett to get a hat-trick in, in any kind of game, everyone wanted to see that, didn't yeah. they? Everyone wanted to see that. It would have gone down in history. <laughs> it would have done. Uh, it also goes to show Kirsty as well, the, the, the kind of headache that, that John Messino's got, or, or we knew he had anyway, with his squad selection for, for the weekend. Stevenage away, of course, in the league. We'll come on to, to preview that game in greater detail later on. But with, with Sean Raggett contributing to two goals on Tuesday night, and he was awarded the man of a match performance by, by the sponsors. Maybe that's questionable with three goals shipped in at the other end. But regardless, yeah. with, with his performance on Tuesday night, it can't go unnoticed, can it? No, definitely not. Um, obviously, I'd love for him to be in the starting eleven, but I also think that at the moment, our back four have been provide like they've been really strong. Mm. Um, I think Regan Paul is 
out of this league to be honest I've, I, every time I watch it I'm just like you're just so calm and <laughs> I just I feel like sometimes still when Raggett does get the ball they're still like ha, 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 like what's going to happen but it definitely will not go unnoticed that's for sure and just sort of heading back to, to Tuesday as well Kirsty I think a lot of us were, were anxious for the linesman down by the <laughs> south stands after what's happened at Fratton Park over the course of the last um, seven or eight days or so Prior to that game on Tuesday night, um, of course, we saw two go down on Saturday against Cheltenham. And then a week prior to the game on Tuesday night um, against Exeter in the league match, one of them um, had gone down with an injury and had to be replaced by the fourth official. Um, great to see that the linesman managed to do 90 minutes or, or just more than that and actually get through it unscathed. But we did see a bizarre incident um, in that match whereby somebody had to come onto the pitch with a bottle of water and clear something up. Now, at the time, we didn't know what it was whether some fox had come onto the pitch and left his belongings, if you want to say. Um, but it turns out somebody was a little bit sick, one yeah. of the players. I'm um, not sure who, but it, it's one of those bizarre moments, Kirsty, where we've seen at Fratton Park this season. If, if there was a compilation or a, a competition for the most bizarre moment at, at Pompey this season, we're nearly, well, only just at the end of August, and we've <laughs> already got probably three options to, to select from. It's going to be a wild season. Yeah, we're winning. <laughs> we're, we're winning. That's for sure. Um, yeah, I didn't actually, I had no idea if someone threw up. All I just saw was him come on with his little water <laughs> bottle and like had about 10 pairs of gloves I think he put on in the end. I felt quite sorry for him, to be fair. Uh, Terry Devlin, you mentioned him in, in part one. Um, he managed to get onto the score sheet um, on Tuesday night in that thrill draw with the Fulham under-21s. It was the second goal for Pompey on the 28th minute, which gave the Blues the lead. Fantastic ball in from the right-hand side from Paddy Lane. Great to see him back, actually. First of all, we'll talk about Terry Devlin in a moment. Paddy Lane, to see him come back from injury earlier than expected initially, but also to put in that performance on Tuesday night, really goes to show, again, the quality in this team. Yeah, the, I think... I was so happy to see Paddy back. I think the pace that he bought as well, he... He just kept running the whole game. Um, yeah, I think he put in a really, really good game. He put in some across some really good balls, and we we're just lucky that obviously they came, they came to a goal. But yeah, it was great to see him back. Henry's nipped out, but we're going to get him in just a second. It's not just for Jake and Kirsty show. Henry <laughs> will be back in just a few moments. But we're just going to wrap up Tuesday's game, of course, Kirsty, because we've got a big one as, as well this weekend, Stevenage away in the league. But we do want to talk about Terry Devlin and the kind of impact yeah. he had on Tuesday night with that second goal. A nice, powerful header to beat the goalkeeper, to put Pompey ahead. Um, one of these players that has, has clearly been brought in to, to look forward to the future from Richard Hughes and John Bassino, not necessarily someone who is going to be expected to start week in, week out with the experience and the quality alongside him in, in that position. But it's refreshing to see that actually, if, if needed be, on Saturday against Stevenage or any other league game for that matter, he's still got the quality to be starting for, for any or for, for, for a lot of league one sides. He's got that in him. Yeah, and especially with um, Morale's track record of his red cards, I think it's good to have a player like um, Terry who can just step in and provide the same he provided a lot of fight on Tuesday and I think that's what he could bring to league matches as well so it is nice to have him there in the back pocket that when we need him he's he can come on and put on a great show mm. so 3-3 ended Pompey winning 5-4 on penalties the last thing we're going to mention about Tuesday night's game Kirsty was for red card 
In uh, added time of the first half, Georgios Okas given his marching orders after he received two yellow cards. Uh, it was described as an off-the-ball tangle. I, I must admit, Kirsty, I-, I had a bit of a Chris Kamara moment. I missed it. <laughs> I saw him get sent off, but I missed actually what-, what happened. From what I heard and read about it, it was an off-the-ball tangle, which seems quite silly when he's already on a yellow card. Yeah, I I mean, I do think it was probably a bit of a harsh red card. Mm-hmm. Um he tapped the ball with his foot and then obviously Paddy wanted to get the game started straight away so then pushed him. Um, so I thought the yellow card was going to Lane. Mm-hmm. I was there like, no, <laughs> that's not right. Um, and then obviously I didn't even realise um, he was already on a yellow. So I do think it was a for a like, first round of a cup match, maybe it was a little bit unfair, but yeah. with these new rules that have come in, they've the refs have just got to keep it going with all the time wasting and all that. And like you say, it's, it's, it's a soft one. We've seen soft yellow cards this season already. Trust me, we've seen plenty of those at Fratton Park. But I guess the one thing you can credit, as you mentioned there, to, to be EFL and to be officials, that we're sat here having this debate about how soft it was and we've, we've had this pretty much all season. But the key thing is, it's, as you mentioned, consistent. Yeah. If, if players are getting booked for it in the league, book him. And it's something we, we actually didn't see, if I'm being honest, in the, the Women's World Cup on Sunday in the final. With the um, with with the Spanish player, I must admit I've forgotten her name, but she was on a yellow card, and yeah. she kicked the ball back into the stands, clearly to waste time at one up, and the referee just gave her a little bit of a slap on the wrist. And I, I know the the EFL rules are different to FIFA and the, the, the Women's World Cup, but they're yeah. also being a bit stricter and added more added time. So at least the EFL are being consistent. That's that's what that, we want to see. What you, that's what you want. Yeah, that's <laughs> what we've been screaming for years. So we're not going to knock it. We are not going to knock it for once. <laughs> we're not going to not be officials. Right. Um, to, to wrap up our analysis then of the midweek win over Fulham under 21s by hearing the post-match assessment of John Messino, who was first asked to sum the game up. Great in terms of entertainment, I think, for everybody that um, they paid their money to be here tonight and to see the penalty shootout. I think it's always great for our fans. Ultimately, we came away with the bonus point and I'm, you know, could be pleased with that. But overall, I think the, the, the feeling for, for me and certainly for the staff is one of disappointment. I thought we should have really put the game to bed and some of the things we did in the second half, I thought we were really poor and um, you know, barely deserved to, to draw the game. Uh, so... I think there's a lot to learn from that and I think we have to be much, much better in terms of performance. Particularly, could have improved on the first half. What did you say at half-time? I actually thought we were really good in the first half and um, I know we conceded a, a goal very, very early on so we had a, sort of a mad minute at the front end and a mad minute at the back end. In between that, I thought we were excellent. We created a lot of chances, we controlled the game, we pressed them really, really well and I didn't see enough of that in the second half, particularly the way that we pressed. We pressed 11 men a lot better than we pressed 10 and um, I'm not entirely sure why that happened but it looked like um, from the sidelines that we just went at, uh, we lost a bit of aggression and yeah, didn't necessarily do what we'd, we'd set out to do. So. Yeah, we, we were looking to sort of build upon that good performance first half and, and I don't think we necessarily took advantage of that. Rags with a brace. Do you know where he plucked that second one out of? <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, that, that came from nowhere. I mean, it doesn't shock me because Rags is a, a decent enough finisher. Um, I suppose scoring from 40 yards and putting it in the top corner, I think everybody... Um, you know, everybody was probably slightly surprised, but um, yeah, you know, it was, it was brilliant. It was brilliant that he, he got his brace and, and he, he scored the second goal. Uh, I guess the unfortunate side of that is that we had to rely on our centre half to put one in the top corner from 40 yards when we just had, you know, we had enough chance, chances to win many, many games. But I didn't think we were quite. Well, I know we weren't clinical enough, and I think that spilled into the rest of our game in the second half. That was the most disappointing thing. Terry Devlin getting a, a goal on his first Fratton outing as well. He must be really pleased for him. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, those are the sort of goals that we like to, to see Terry score. Arriving in the box, brilliant header, brilliant cross. Um, yeah, and that's what he's got to do really to push himself into the into the fold. He's, he's got to keep uh, contributing uh, with assists, with goals and his overall performance as well. And the penalty shootout tonight, that must be sort of good for, for practice for further on in the season, should they come up again? Yeah, I think it's good for a number of reasons. You've got to have a lot of bottle to go and take a penalty, first of all, regardless of what competition it's in, because, um, yeah, it just, it, you know, it takes a, having, having done it myself, I know what it's like. It's even when you're in um, these areas, these competitions, it's still a tough thing and you don't want to let your teammates down. So, you know, fair play to the lads that stepped up and, and took them and, and really pleased for Ryan that he got the winning save. And back to league action, obviously, this weekend. Has tonight given you sort of any selection headaches at all? Uh, not as many as I'd like to have had. I think. I think the uh, post Forest Green, I had a, a real, you know, tough time in terms of selecting the uh, the, the the side for the league game uh, the following Saturday. Um, I think if the if the lads had come away, regardless, two all at half time, that, that was absolutely fine. But I think they really should have put the game away in the second half. Um, and I think if we come away winning sort of five six two, I think that would have given me some real selection headaches. Unfortunately, we didn't. Um, so yeah, there's, there's still some. It's, it's not like we you know, chuck the baby out with the bathwater. And there's still some really good positive performances in there. But some I thought were just a bit more disappointing than others. There we are then. Blues head coach John Lucino speaking to Max Watson after his side claimed the bonus point over the Philharmonia 21s in midweek in their opening group stage fixture of this season's Papa John's Trophy. Reminder that Gillingham and Leighton Orient are the other two opponents in this competition. And the next round of the competition, if we're looking that far ahead already, the knockout stages likely to take place at the start of December. So quite a way, a way off until that happens. Right, moving on then to I think what we can all agree is uh, slightly more important matters. Steve Stevenage away in the league tomorrow afternoon, three o'clock kickoff, of course, at the Lamex Stadium. Um, Henry Deacon, Pompey, of course, unbeaten so far this season. They are just inside the playoff places, becoming a very difficult side to beat. A lot of, uh, of factors, however, to improve upon from last week's 0-0 draw of Cheltenham Town at Fratton Park. But Stevenage tomorrow... Their fifth place in League One at the moment. They've just come up from from League Two, of course. They've got some familiar faces within their team, like some Nathan Thompson. He's suspended tomorrow. Louis Thompson, Ben Thompson. You might as well call him <laughs> Thompsonage at this point rather than Stevenage. But they've they've got some quality in their teams. Henry, this is going to be a difficult game for John Messino's side, isn't it? Pompey unbeaten so far. We mentioned there. Stevenage right up there. They're surprising a few. How difficult is this going to be, and what kind of challenges are Pompey going to have to face in this one? I mean, this is the, one of the, the toughest periods of, of the season, isn't it? When you come towards the, the end of August and, you know, you're in your first month of the season and a manager kind of knows where they are. And look, Stevenage is one of those places where it's, it's always difficult to go to. There's certain grounds you go to in certain leagues and you know that you're going to be in for, for a tough afternoon. It may not be so much for the fact that you're going to have a, a very loud crowd that facilitates get behind you, but it's just it's just one of those awkward grounds. Uh, getting there isn't exactly the easiest. Um, the facilities aren't up there perhaps in comparison to the rest of League One, say, uh, for for example. Uh, so, look, th- th- it's always going to be a difficult game going somewhere like that. The pitch is quite small. It, you, you, you squeeze yourself in, become a bit more compact, which will make things interesting, especially in terms of the wing-backs. Uh, we've asked those questions before. Um about them and so we'll see how they operate in that particular on that particular pitch on that particular occasion but yeah Stevenage is not it's not an easy place to go to it's one of those grounds you go to every year and think look if you can nick a couple of points out of there then you've done very well for yourself
And after the break, Kirsty, we're going to hear more on this week's opposition at Stevenage, managed by the, the wonderful Steve Evans. Uh, we, we all know what he's about, don't we? Um, this is going to be a, a difficult game for Pompey, not just in terms of how they've started the campaign, the quality they've got within their team, but from a, from a mental kind of side of things as well, when you've got Steve Evans, who we'll, we'll start off by saying he's a great manager. He's achieved a lot in his long managerial career, regardless of what you think of him and, and his delivery sometimes on the touchline but what he actually brings to his sort of management technique and his style is actually the character that he possesses on the touchline and the dugout the way he gets underneath the opposing manager's skin and he really riles up the opposition fans and maybe it goes unnoticed the kind of impact that actually has on the performance of of not only his team but you know the opposition as well and, and he can use that to his advantage as he quite often has done. Yeah, I think if you can get if you can get fans riled up, um, then it does really change the game. The fan the fans impact the game so much. Um, but yeah, no, he is he has definitely achieved a lot. I mean, when he obviously took over, um, they were twenty second, um, basically in relegation. Yeah. Um, and the fact how that was only in I think that was March or April in twenty twenty two, and then season later. And he's he's up in League One. You can't you can't fault him for how much he's changed that Stevenage side around. And I mean, the start of the season they've already had. It's clear to show that they they do mean business. They are not looking to go back down to League Two. They're no. not doing a Forest Green on us. <laughs> not at all. And we mentioned Steve Evans, Kirsty. I'd love to see Stevenage against Bristol Rovers. <laughs> Steve Evans in one dugout, Joe Barton in the other. That is clash of the titans. There's going to be some red cards. Whoever, in that game. Yeah, yeah. With these new rules, there definitely will be. Whoever Pompey are playing that weekend, by the way, pff, scrap that. <laughs> Head to Stevenage Bristol Rovers. That is where the entertainment is. Right, eight one four hundred is our text number here at Express FM. Do start your messages with the word Express if you want to have your say tonight. Get in touch with your score predictions as we head into the third and final part of this evening's show. And don't forget to add your name at the end as well, because a couple of you plonkers don't do that, and we don't know who to credit your score predictions to. You can also email sport at expressfm.com, tweet using at expressfm, visit facebook.com forward slash Pompey Live, and a fifth new option this season, the brand new ExpressFM app. You can download that right now on your Apple device or Google device as well. If you've got an Android, an Apple, whatever kind of smartphone you've got, download it right now to your mobile phone device. You can get in touch via a, a simple message, a written one as well. That will come straight through to us and you can send us a voice note too. We want to hear as many of them as possible over the next few minutes as we head into the third and final part of tonight's edition of the Football Hour here on Express FM. So don't go anywhere. This is the Football Hour 93.7 Express FM. Go by bus. Go greener with Stagecoach. Next stop, a cleaner, greener future. Did you know that if we all ditch the car and switch to a bus just once a month for a year, we'd save the UK 2 million tonnes of CO2? Switch to bus, because by switching, you can make a big difference. Get on board a Stagecoach bus for a cleaner, greener future. For more information, go to switchtobus.com. This is the Football Hour 93.7 Express FM. Welcome back to the Football Hour here on 93.7 Express FM, brought to you by Stagecoach across the South. Visit stagecoachbus.com for more information on the kind of services they can provide in your area, as well as what they are doing to make their services run cleaner 
and greener throughout the entirety of Hampshire and across the south coast as well. Right, you reach us here on the third and final part of tonight's instalment of the show. Joined alongside myself, Jake Smith, with Henry Deacon, host of Over the White Line, and our very own Kirsty Roxanne as well. So far tonight, if you've missed any of this evening's edition of the show, you can listen back to it as a podcast. We'll be uploading that straight after tonight's show, so you can listen back to any part of tonight's edition of the show if you've missed it or you just fancy listening back to it as a whole you can listen back to it in approximately 45 minutes time you can do that on spotify on our express fm website the new express fm app as well and of course apple and google podcast too but so far tonight, to summarise, we have so far analysed Tuesday's 3-3 draw over the Fulham under-21s in the Papa John's Trophy. And we've spoken a little bit about tomorrow's trip to Stevenage as League One football returns for Pompey. And that's what we're going to do right now. We're going to hear more from Hedders and Kirsty in just a few moments' time. But first, a deeper delve into the opponents that lie ahead tomorrow afternoon at the Lamech Stadium, Stevenage. After a game of two halves, the Blues were awarded an extra point in their Papa John's Trophy clash in midweek when they won on penalties against the Fulham under-21s, following a 3 all draw in normal time. Attention now turns, however, back to League One football. Pompey Live, this week's opposition. Still maintaining their unbeaten run in League and Cup, it's time for Pompey to get back to winning waves in the league, having been frustrated in a goalless draw with Cheltenham Town last time out. Matchday 5 has arrived and John Messina's side head up to Hertfordshire to take on newly promoted Stevenage. Manager. Former Scottish player Steve Evans is at the helm of the borough. Evans started his professional career at Bolton Wanderers and also played for Clyde, Albion Rovers, Air United, Hamilton Academical and St Johnston until a knee ligament injury ended his playing career at the early age of 24. After Evans' retirement, he became a manager Prior to taking charge at Crawley Town in 2007, he also managed Stanford and Boston United. Whilst at Rotherham United, he led the club to two successive promotions before moving on to Championship side Leeds United in 2015. After his stint at Ellen Road, Evans moved on to manage the likes of Manfield Town, Peterborough United and Gillingham before joining League Two outfit Stevenage in March 2022. At the time of his appointment, the club sat in 22nd position in League Two, just three points clear of the relegation zone. Evans' 2022-23 campaign started strong with 10 victories out of 13 in the league and ended with automatic promotion to League One in April. One to watch. You thought you could go an entire season without hearing Ben Thompson's name, didn't you? Well, I'm afraid that hope has been cut short early doors this campaign. He's our one to watch this weekend. 27-year-old Thompson represented the perfect example of why the phrase never fall in love with a lone player is so commonly used. Many Blues fans had dawned to him pretty quickly during his half a season spell at the club under Kenny Jackett during the 2018-19 campaign where he made 23 appearances. Since then, the midfielder has gone on to represent Gillingham and Peterborough United joining Stevenage only this summer transfer window. In fact, he's not the only Thompson at the club who have also this season recruited former Pompey Thompsons, Louis and Nathan. Top scorer. With two league goals to his name at this stage, forward Jamie Reid is currently Stevenage leading scorer. The 29-year-old bagged three goals in pre-season, including a brace against Hitchin and a goal in a 2-1 victory over Ipswich. Competitively, the former Exeter City, Torquay United and Mansfield striker has found the back of the net twice, though unable to score during a 23-minute period at Reading last time out. 
His match was cut short as a result of teammate and former Blues defender Nathan Thompson receiving a red card, prompting manager Steve Evans to make a difficult decision, removing Reed from the field of play to strengthen up at the back. Current form. After being promoted this season, Stevenage have had a promising start to life back in the third tier. A 1-0 win against Northampton Town on the opening day was followed by a 2-0 win over Shrewsbury and a 2-1 victory at Cambridge United, who have also started the season excellently. In between that trio of wins, Steve Evans' side saw off championship opposition Watford in the Carabao Cup, running victorious on penalties after a one-all draw. In their most recent outing last weekend, Stevenage suffered their first defeat of the season when they travelled to Reading, the recently relegated championship side claiming a 2-0 victory over the Borough. Unlike the Blues, Stevenage were not in action in midweek as their opening Papa John's Trophy fixture comes around on September the 5th. So which of these sides will continue with their strong starts to the season? Can Stevenage continue to defy the odds or will it be Portsmouth who climb further up the League One table? All of the unmissable action on Pompey Live. There we go, then a closer look into Steve Evans, Stevenage there, Pompey's opponents at the Lamex Stadium. Tomorrow afternoon, league football returning uh, for the Blues this weekend. Kirsty match day number five, a chance for Pompey to really right their wrongs from, from last Saturday's 0-0 draw with Cheltenham Town. Forgetting Tuesday for a moment, because you, you don't really take that team lineup into too much consideration when you talk about changes to the side tomorrow, but... From last Saturday against Cheltenham, we had Will Norris in goal, Joe Rafferty, Reagan Paul, Connor Shocknessy, Connor Ogilvy, Marlon Pack, Joe Morell, Anthony Scully, Alex Robertson, Gavin White and Colby Bishop as for starting eleven. Do you envision any changes for John Bassino to make tomorrow? Do you think there was anyone that stood out on Tuesday night, perhaps, that could come into that side? Do you think that anyone last weekend maybe have a bit, a bit of a naff game that could come out of the side and, and, and be replaced? Um, I think... Scully and White are like the weakest at the moment. Um, I think Kamara, Kamara got played um, in the middle, which was really different on Tuesday, and I think he he did really well. Mm. So I don't know whether that's Messino just trying to see whereabouts he can fit in. Um, but I think Paddy Lane played well, but is it enough for him to start? I don't know. Um, so um, I'm not too sure. I just think the wing, the, we just need more pace and power down the wings and just more crosses and just more into box. But obviously, I don't think Stevenage will be coming with a back five and in defensive mode like Cheltenham did because they're obviously scoring goals. They want to be scoring goals. So I think it is going to be a game of two halves. Be much more open than it was yeah. last weekend, like you say. And as much as we, we can maybe sit here and criticise Pompey's performance against Cheltenham um, in that one, you, you do have to take into consideration the fact they did park the bus. They put all 11 players behind the ball, particularly in that second half. And um, I, don't, I don't think many teams would have broken them down. But either way, John Messino's got to try and make sure his side find a, maybe a plan B or a plan C to break these teams down in the future. Something certainly to, to learn from. Kirsty, you mentioned their pace on the wings and and, um, and potentially on the left-hand side as well. We spoke previously on, on tonight's show about Jack Sparks uh, and, and his contributions. Um, we saw him in midweek in that win over Fulham under-21s in the Papa John's Trophy. Conor Ogilvy has been the starter, yeah, that kind of left-back role in the league at least this season. Do you think that maybe his position at left-back is under threat, Conor Ogilvy? Do you think that maybe some fans are leaning towards wanting to see Jack Sparks a little bit more? Yeah, I think I think a lot of fans will be. Um, but then I do think if there is a change, then Ogilvy will be missed. Um, he is strong and he does also, he has 
that pace. He does bring the ball up and he does put himself in decent um, space to get the ball across. But they're they're both very good players, and I think the only way the only way to find out is by giving them both the chance in the starting eleven um, to see battle it out <laughs> yeah. and see who deserves the spot. <laughs> of course, with Cassini Yengi um, out as well with an ankle injury, Kirsty, uh, again, we've, we've heard from John Bassino earlier in the week in regards to that one. and It's not perhaps as, beard, as bad as first feared. Six to eight weeks is the, the kind of time frame we're being told. Um, Colby Bishop back in amongst the goals, two goals so far for, for him this season. It's probably nailed on he's going to start tomorrow against Stevenage. But, again, he's another player that might be looking over his shoulder when you look at the kind of impact that the likes of Christian Sadie, you mentioned Abu Kamara as well, but Christian Sadie is more of that potential out-and-out striker option uh, for John Bassino if Colby Bishop were to be replaced for whatever reason. Um, and, and potentially Christian Sadie deserving more for, for his efforts so far this season. Yeah, Sadie is so strong. Um, but... Like I said to you earlier, he is. I would say that Sadie and Bishop have, they they're kind of similar in the way of they can hold the ball, they can hold the player, they can still play decent football whilst having a man basically on top of them. Um, but it's just the pace wise of it. I feel like they they just both need both of them players need somebody on the wings that's able to pass the ball to make to allow them to turn to get onto goal. Um, but I think I think we've got a. I think we've got a real big depth in the team um, and there is some healthy competition. I mean, when Kshiniengi is back, um, Bishop's obviously going to want to be top goal scorer again. So that's going to be some healthy competition between them two, which, I mean, if they both want to score 20 goals this season, that's yeah. fine. We'll take it. Kobe Botto, uh, an option potentially as well, Kirsty. We saw him start on Tuesday, played the full 90 minutes or plus with, the, with injury time. Um, we also saw him in the Carabao Cup against Forest Green Rovers um, at the start of the month. And he's, he's, he's also recently had a loan spell away from the club cut short by John Messino because of the injury to Cassini Yengi and potentially Kobe Motto uh, being an option. And you wouldn't be too surprised if you see him feature over the next couple of weeks, be it league, um, cup, trophy games, even if it's just on the bench. And, and, and he's got a bright future ahead of him as well. We, we've certainly seen flashes of that, even this season already. Yeah, he um, yeah he did he did play really well on Tuesday, and I think definitely cup like cup matches wise he should he should be getting those ninety minutes like he did on Tuesday. I think that's that is probably the best bet, and then he is always there to bring on um even like a bit of a last minute come on show your energy mm. show because he's he's a young player and he's he's fresh and he wants he wants to score that goals he wants to win that ball so as a bit of a late a late minute sub. He could he could really do some good things. Let's talk a little bit about um, Tino and Joran um, Kirsty, a player who for, for Chelsea he's, he's been out on loan a couple of times recently to to Huddersfield Town. He's a creative midfielder. Pompey expressed their interest. I don't think it's been too much of a, a secret this summer transfer window in, in Tino and Joran. Um, he's also received uh, offers from the likes of Reading, who are now under a transfer embargo. They can only sign free agents essentially um, FC Volendam over in the Netherlands he, he's been out to visit apparently reportedly nothing's materialised we've seen him at, at, at Rocco or the old Rocco the, the Pompey training centre now um, it, it, basically he's gone out and he's explored his options he, he's been to these three different clubs he's, he's exercised wanting to go and investigate and see who he wants to play for no decision's been made yet if he does come in it's not going to be a permanent deal it will be a loan 
but with the injury to Cassini Yengi and, and just really the type of player that Tina Andrunen is anyway and the kind of quality and experience he brings would be a, a perfect fit to the squad and that could potentially complete it. Yeah, it's just falling in love with another lone player. Yes. That's the only issue and we like to do that quite a lot. But it, like, yeah, like you said, bringing in, bringing in more depth and I do think... I do think he would fit in well, um, and I also I also do believe that for young players, they they do enjoy playing like for Portsmouth at Fratton Park because the crowds we bring in for a League One side and the atmosphere we have it it really does boost it really does boost them up. I mean, you know from what Alex Robinson has already said about playing mm. in front playing at Fratton, and it's just it is good it's good vibes. Right, let's head into uh, some score predictions then. Pompey, of course, staking on Stevenage this weekend. Match day number five of this League One campaign. Just a reminder as well, the Blues sit sixth in the division after four matches. Two wins, two draws, zero defeats. Six goals scored, one conceded. Stevenage, one place above in fifth. They have one extra point with nine. They, however, have won three, drawn zero, but lost one match. That was their most recent game. As well, just to note uh, at the top of the table, Cambridge United, what a start to the season they've had. They are the League One leaders at present, also on nine points. Bolton Wanderers, Peterborough and Oxford United in uh, second, third and fourth respectively, all also on nine points. So tomorrow represents, at this early stage of the season, of course, an opportunity for Pompey not only to leapfrog their opponent, Stevenage, but also potentially to go top of the League One table. But it's not all one loss at the start of the campaign. It is how you end the season, which is my most important. A couple of score predictions coming in now. Steve on Facebook is going for a 2-1 Pompey victory. Keith on the emails got in touch tonight saying he envisions plenty of changes tomorrow afternoon, but is going for a 2-0 Pompey win. And uh, what have we got here as well? Jack on Twitter, not as confident going for a one-all draw, but he says he'd take it given Stevenish starts of a campaign. Right, let's get some score predictions from uh, those in the studio this evening with me tonight. First of all, Mr Henry Deacon. Pompey, Stevenish away tomorrow afternoon. Tough, tough game. This will be mentioned earlier. What is your score prediction, please, my friend? Uh, score prediction-wise, I'm going to go... I'm going to go 2 I'm going to be optimistic. 2-0 Pompey. Henners, thank you very much. Kirsty, thank you very much for tonight. What's your score prediction for tomorrow? Um, I'm going to go with 3-2. I don't know I don't know why, but I feel like there's going to be a lot of goals. A lot of goals missed one, says Kirsty. Thank you very much uh, for that. I'm going to go, I reckon, 2-1. Tight game, but I reckon Pompey will get this one over the line. Over the white line, you could say, Henry Deacon. Thank you very much, Headers, for your contributions tonight. It's been a pleasure to have you back on to the Football Hour with us. Jake, always a pleasure. Thank you very much for your time. Likewise, my thoughts go out as well to Kirsty Roxanne. Kirsty, thank you very much for coming in tonight. Thank you so much for having me again, Jake. So that's all for tonight. I'm a throw Pompey fans, but your next football fix is not too far away. Pompey Live returns tomorrow afternoon from two o'clock. Which is when the Pompey Live team are back. The Blues are returning to action, League One action, this weekend. Three o'clock kickoff tomorrow afternoon at the Lamex Stadium. Stevenage are the hosts for match day number five of the Blues League One campaign for 2023-2024. Of course, John Bacino's side remain undefeated so far this season in League Cup and Trophy. Tomorrow represents an opportunity potentially for his side to go top of the League One table. No easy task, however, in Stevenage. They're newly promoted from League Two. They're currently fifth on the table, one place higher than Pompey and one point above the Blues as well. However, of course, it is Pompey who remain unbeaten. Stevenage 
a 2-0 defeat for them last weekend away at Reading. Tomorrow will be a very even affair. Or well, that's what it is shaped up to be anyhow. A big thank you to both of my guests tonight, both Henry Deacon and Kirsty Roxanne for joining me on the Football Hour this evening. A big thank you to everyone who tuned in over the text tweets and emails tonight and of course the Express FM app thank you for listening it's been fantastic to have you on big cheers to Stagecoach across myself and thank you for your patience as well it's been a long long day covering both victorious and coming straight here to do the football hour it has been phenomenal it's been so exciting I hope you've enjoyed the coverage victorious continues tomorrow stay tuned what a fantastic weekend we've got play at Pompey good night